This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. One, two, one, two, three, five! It's KC time! You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 109, and it's about the themes of the old Dragon Gate unit, the Millennials. And today I am joined once again by one of the hosts of the Open the Voice Gate podcast, as well as the Everything Elite podcast. It's Mike Spears. Hello, Mike. Hey, Andrew. How's it going? Glad to be back. I'm good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're on as well, of course. Um, talking some more uh, Dragon Gate themes, as we usually do when you're on here. And uh, I, I know last time you were on, Mike, uh, we talked about like uh, the changed landscape of Dragon Gate and all that. And um, by golly, it's changed again. Uh, I mean, the, the generational war is now over. Uh, you've got new units like Masquerade and High End. Natural Vibes is back. Um, you've got the rise of SB Kento as this rocket-packed young star. And all this focus just in general on young talent like Shun Skywalker and Dragon Daya, Hip Hop Kakuda, and all those guys. So a lot's gone down uh, since the last time you were on the show here, Mike. That's for sure. Yeah, it's a really exciting time there in the midst of a generational shift right now as the first really of the old guard Masato Yoshino is now T minus two months and 18 days until his retirement. And, you know, it's something that I was talking with someone in the voices wrestling discord. Like this is, I, I know Joe and Rich always says, this is the bright time to get in dragon gate. I don't always prescribe to that. The best time to get to get into Dragon Gate is yesterday, but the second <laughs> best time is right now, and it's a really exciting time. In it. And it, and talking about millennials and talking about like this group of individuals, really 2013 to 2015, really takes you back because listening through these themes, and I recently finished a Dragon Gate USA rewatch project with Caseflow on Open the Voice Gate, where this a big moment in like the Dragon Gate timeline was the millennials landing in the summer of. 2013 and just the idea of the the fact that dragon gate right now is going through a full-fledged generational shift and like a youth movement and this was one that they attempted less than 10 years ago with uh differing success i think that's fair to say Mm -hmm. yeah and uh we'll get to all that in due course but um you mentioned yoshino i mean it's so weird to me just we're only a few months away from the retirement of masato yoshino and that's a massive deal, you know, considering just how important he's been to Dragon Gate and Toriyaman for, for years now. You know, he's one of the guys, capital T, capital G. And in August, that's it. He's done. Which, I mean, you know, given his current state, 
physically, I'd say it's for the best, Mike. I mean, I love the guy, but it's time, Mike. Yeah, and it's something that really, over the last year, we kind of had Masato Yoshino. So for people who don't know, in the spring of 2017, Masato Yoshino suffered this really traumatic neck and back injury that he pulled a John Cena and returned in less than four months. But the punishment of that return was the doctors when he went through all this rehab. And it was something that it was kind of remarkable at the time that because Yoshina lives in Osaka and apparently lives close to the hospital that he was rehabbing at. And they wanted him to stay at the hospital and he refused to, he says, I'm just going to walk to the hospital each day because I want to go home and watch baseball after I'm done rehabbing. But I'll be there every day. But <laughs> you know, he is kind of the Japanese John Cena in a lot of ways, but they told him you could either get the surgery, kind of change your style and prolong your career indefinitely, or we could get you pretty much like kind of patched together. And we don't know how long you can go with that. And sadly, really, it was the end of last year was kind of the end of his real active in-ring uh, participation. He's doing retirement matches now, and it's something that I, I like to pretend that, you know, and Case and I are doing a ton of Yoshino coverage over the next few months, but it, it, his career, uh, for all intents and purposes, kind of ended with SB Kento and all of RED disbanding Torimon and the uh, final gate of unit, a uh, no DQ loser, uh, loser must disband elimination match. So it, it, it's a wild time and it's interesting right, right now just because of all these things changing and then all these things that are just kind of like coming to a head right now. And at least since I've been covering Dragon Gate, with the exception of uh, the Strong Hearts uh, the, the split and the, the ownership changeover, this is kind of one of the more interesting times because I, it's very hard to imagine a Dragon Gate or a Toriumon without Masato Yoshino, without the speed star there. But it, it's rapidly approaching, and it's something that I think fans of Dragon Gate across the world are, are all collectively coming to terms with. Yeah, I mean, when Sting can take a powerbomb and you can't, that's a sign that the end is nigh, you know? And and listen, like, how long have we said, oh my god, these Dragon Gate guys, these Toriumon guys, they're immortal. They can go forever. It's incredible. And, you know, for some people like Shingo or Mochizuki, that's still true. But Yoshino's time has come, just like it'll come for everybody. Um, I just wish it didn't come during a pandemic with clap crowds, but... You know, them's the breaks, Mike, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It, it is going to be nice that Dragon Gate being Dragon Gate, they were able to get two dates at Kobe World Cannon Hall if so that usually their biggest show, they do one show at Kobe Cannon Hall. The only two companies that run this building are New Japan and Dragon Gate, and they've been running it since it's since Toriumon, but they got two dates, which, I mean, also is helpful because it's probably going to be 50% capacity again. And the first date is Kobe World, and the second date, They've already announced is Speed Star Final, and that's kind of the importance of Yoshino. Like other people in the company, when they've left, like they've done tours, and then they will have like one big nice match, and then Dragon Gate's kind of uh, it's kind of famous for their really tear jerking graduation. So I can only imagine just how emotional it's going to be August first. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, in any event, uh, Mike, uh, usually when you're on, we talk about the Masters of Dragon Gate, which is uh, basically just a mishmash, a hodgepodge, if you will, 
of uh, various singles themes in the company. Uh, but today, as we mentioned, uh, we will discuss the themes, both unit and singles, of the millennials. Not the general age group that people are fond to shake their fists at, but rather the stable that was around in Dragon Gate from 2013 to 2015, uh, originally consisting of Eta, T-Hawk, and UT, uh, but then it grew to include El Lindemann, Flamita, Yosuke Santa Maria, Katoka, and Rocky Lobo, who, if I'm not mistaken, Mike, he was just this luchador who was only around for a few months, right? So Rocky Lobo was brought over at the same time as Flamita. Uh, so that the overall concept of millennials was that, true to the name, that they were people who are young members of the roster, but the, the saying was that if you are... Born after 1990, you are friends. If you're born before that, then you're enemies. And was Rocky Lobo was a young guy that they met when Ata, T-Hawk, and UT were in Mexico on excursion along with Flamita. And he came to Dragon Gate. The I mean, Dragon Gate at that time was kind of at a weird place with its uh, foreign talent, with its gaijin. But Rocky Lobo came over, did a couple months, kind of disappeared. And then it's always a funny thing whenever we see stuff of Rocky Lobo. Like he retired for a little bit and he came back and he just like goes to the gym now. Like I've not heard anything of Rocky Lobo over like the last eight months, but it was always one of those funny things when it would usually be Cubs fan or Rob Viper like posting like, oh yeah, Rocky Lobo is up to something because it would just crack me up at the very least. Yeah, it's like uh, Kevin Steen and Muscle Outlaws just coming oh, in yeah. for a few months and then boop, he's gone. And he'll always have that footnote, but it's still weird to look back and be like, Oh yeah, that did happen. Uh, but but anyway, like, like you said, Mike, um, the Millennials, their whole hook was that they were the young guns of the company trying to take over and make a name for themselves. And anyone born before the year 1990 was on their hit list. So uh, to borrow a line from Patton, boomers are the enemy. Wade into them, spill their blood, shoot them in the belly. But, but yeah, I mean... There have been just countless staples in wrestling over the years where the whole gist is like, we're the new guys, it's our time now, yeah. You know, the new blood, the nexus, generation next, and so on and so forth. But millennials are like the only group I can think of that actually set a date on who their enemies were, which is pretty unique in that sense, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I'm technically a millennial, but I would be an enemy for them, and it's kind of remarkable because Dragon Gate does do generational warfare. It's like we just went through one in 2020. There was a an aborted one in 2009, 2010, but this was very clearly defined. And in an era that like when they came in, it was in right in the uh, aftermath of Blood Wars versus Junction 3, which was a the, one of the most uh, violent one-on-one -on -one feuds that they ever had. And then everyone kind of dispersed. And then you had these kids come in and, it was a time where you had Jimmy's who were the joke there was that they embraced that they were very plain and normal. Mad Blanky were the heel units. And then you had Monster Express come along a little bit later and also We Are Team Veterans. So, I mean, there was natural uh, rivalries there. And, and the biggest rivalry for millennials was Team Veterans. So, I mean, really, they were going Obviously, after yes. the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're going after the boomers hard in that extent. Yeah, and I know that uh, every unit has their color scheme and theirs were red, white, and green because... Those are the colors of the Mexican flag. And Ata, T-Hawk, and UT all went to Mexico to train. And they came back as the Millennials, which is a cool little touch there. Um, and they also had luchadors like Flamita and Rocky Lobo in there too. Uh, Ata's moves have Spanish names. 
UT became known as like a Yaveo guy. So aesthetically, it all really meshed well together. It wasn't just this random group of guys. The links were there. And yeah, like you said, you had these other great factions there too, like Monster Express and Mad Blanky and the Jimmies and Team Veteran to act as foils. But, you know, as far as like the overall success of the group goes... That's a different story, I think, because, <laughs> you know, usually the goal of the Young Guns stable is to say, here is the future of the company. These are the next group of dudes. Maybe not all of them are going to be like headline stars, but they're going to be the backbone of the company for years to come. And much like with the New Blood or the Nexus, that didn't end up being the case for the majority of the millennials. Um, it's been a real mixed bag of results there, Mike, I'd say. Yeah, so it's very interesting that like this is the, the unit we're talking about now because now, right now Dragon Gate is doing all they can to prepare their fans to accept the idea that SB Kento is going to be your big star for the next generation. Shun Skywalker, he's the guy right now. And with millennials, they tried to do it in a way, but there was just where all kinds of issues from the fact that they weren't faces that they, they were a tweener unit, which was very kind of complicated and Dragon Gate's done tweener units before, but just never really was executed very well in the case of, of the millennials. And the problem was like ultimately, and one of the interesting things about this unit was as, as a fan at the time, the Western or rather international fans were really all in on millennials, but the native fans really just like looked at it. It's like, oh, that's a former Tomahawk TT and the chop kid and the kid that ran off instead of making his debut. And now they're running down our favorites. And it just was an uphill climb that really you, you look at this unit, you look at this group of individuals, and it's kind of a statement the fact that there's only a few members of this unit who are still within Dragon Gate as active wrestlers. Yeah, I mean, obviously you can't predict the future. You know, no one can. You just have to hope everything goes well. Uh, but sometimes things just don't. You know, whether it's because a guy doesn't live up to potential or they become injury prone or retire or in some cases they just leave and dick around in Gleet or Zero One or whatever the fuck. Um, but again, like that that's the nature of these types of stables. These guys are young and have a long future ahead of them. And you just, you never know which ones are going to pan out and which ones aren't. Yeah. And looking at millennials, millennials is like the best example of that, just because of there were people in this unit that were clearly positioned as, okay, we're going to do everything as possible to get this, this fan base to react to say T Hawk as a level of his seniors, like Shingo Takagi, BB Hulk, Akira Tozawa, Yamato, the aforementioned, Masato Yoshino, Naruki Doi, and they did basically everything you could do. And I don't like demeaning uh, wrestlers by doing the Roman Reigns push, but T-Hawk was getting a Roman's Reigns push equivalent there. And then, you know, you, you have other people in this group. That, I mean, like, Flamita was never going to be a full-timer. Like, he was never going to make his life in Japan, and he's had his own turbulations. And, and poor Katoka, you know, he's doing well now. I mean, the only person I know who's opened three gyms during the era of COVID, but you look at it and a lot of the people who've remained in the company found their position, they found their way, but millennials are kind of like a cautionary tale of, you know, best laid intentions and everything. And it just, you know, it, it's a really remarkable time. And the thing, the big takeaway, at least about it is like 
for all we've been talking about, like getting over or like who's a mid card or who's someone's going to drop falls. All seven of the wrestlers in this unit at one time or another were incredibly talented. So that doesn't take anything away from their entering ability to this day. Oh, not at all. No, no, no. I mean, whatever you want to say about like pushes or slots on the card, that's a whole nother issue than their talent. And that's what we have right now, actually, with the young guys in DG. I mean, the young talent in the company right now is just incredible. You know, with, with Shun, Kaito Ishida, Daya, SBK, Kota Minora, Jason Lee, all those guys. And it'll be interesting to see just where they all end up being because they're just so damn young. I mean, everyone in Masquerade is under 30. And SBK and Kakuda and Kamei, they're all like 20, 21. So we have a lot of time ahead of us to see where each guy goes in their career, Mike. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about SB Kento, Hip Hop Kakuta, and even someone like Funky Jackie Kamei, they're, with the exception... They're like a year in. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it, it, it's like, I didn't have my act together when I was 20 or 21, and I was in college. Like, who knows with that? And I think that's one of the things that makes it so exciting, is uh, following the promotion now, you're really seeing someone like Hip Hop Kakuta, bless his heart, what happened to him when he got injured at Dead or Alive, but... This was a guy who was main eventing a show less than a year into his career and never having wrestled in front of an active crowd that could actually do crowd calls. So, I mean, it's exciting. It's an exciting time in the company. Absolutely. Well, um, anyway, uh, let's get to these themes here. And uh, like I said, we'll cover the unit theme and the individual themes of each guy, uh, except for Rocky Lobo, who did not have one. And uh, we should get this out of the way right now. The Millennials Stinger. Millennials. Uh, we'll be hearing that a lot this episode, and uh, I like it. You know, it's short, sweet, to the point. I like the way they pronounce it all jauntily, and it's a good contrast with the other big stinger of the era, which was Mad Blanky. <laughs> so, you know, uh, thumbs up for me on this one here, Mike. Yeah, and the like the one nice thing about like Millennials, I think this is like that the aesthetic carried over i don't know what the word for like an audio aesthetic is or i guess maybe the the theme and with the stingers like it carries over like in such a way that this was a time that i mean team veteran returns had a stinger as well and it's very interesting like going back like this is an this is one of the few unit albums that i've had so like getting like going back through it and listening through it and it's like everything has like a very concerted and concentrated theme that is like perfectly encapsulated with right here right now Yep, and uh, that's where we'll start, with the unit theme. Uh, This is by KT, and it's called Right Here, Right Now. Yeah, you can't, yeah, 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 yeah
so I want to make a Jesus Jones or Fatboy Slim reference very badly, but I will hold my tongue on that. Um, what I enjoy about this unit theme is A, it's a pretty damn good theme, and B, it shares a lot of the same traits as the Millennials singles themes. High energy, based heavily in electronica music, auto-tuned vocals, lyrics about generations and new eras and the wrestlers own personal stories and how it's their time to shine. I mean, it's called Right Here, Right Now, and that was the whole point of the Millennials. Enough about the past, enough about the old guys, it's our time, right here, right now. And that's all set up in this theme, and we'll see it later on in the singles themes too, Mike. It's perfect. Yeah, and it, it's something that I, I feel like sometimes in Dragon Gate themes, they don't really have like the great beats or like the time signature, so you can like, time in your entrance and like going through the... Uh, going through the curtain or hopping up on the apron but like there this is a theme that is etched into my brain because of like one like the overall vibe and the lyrics like you're talking about but like the like the, the perfectly timed thing when everyone would come out to the ring and when everyone would hop up on the apron and it usually was always queued up to right here right now whenever that lyric was was sung and it's just like a really awesome like heavily auto-tuned theme as of as most of the themes in the millennials and you know i i'm not good with like time signatures but I have a feeling, or at least I get the sense, that almost all of the themes, with the exception of probably Lindemann's theme, had a very similar time signature. So it really was like a united group, and with like and with a group that had such like a clear direction of being the new generation. It just is perfectly encapsulated with right here, right now. Definitely, yeah. And again, speaking of the contrast with other units of the era, it does a good job of standing out on its own because the Jimmy's theme is this good time rock and roll song. Team Veteran is this, like, 90s, old-school, epic metal song with the choir, and Mad Blanky is, like, the dark version of the song, where it's electronica, but darker and heavier and angrier with the evil laugh. So it works in that context, too, Mike. Oh, absolutely. And it, this is something about, like, this 2013, really through the start of Berserk era, was everything had such, like, a clear, uh, just a clear brand, a clear audio aesthetic i don't keep on saying audio aesthetic i think this but like everyone had like a good like theme and trope that fit in with it and you know millennials were none different with how like great the singer was how great like the auto tuning was and just like the overall just energy that all the themes in the group had Mm -hmm. and uh, i know that on this show i often rely on google translate to help out with the lyrics um now there is an english version of this song which we'll get to in a second but for this one, I did the old translate anyway, and you can still get the gist of it, I think, uh, mainly with the chorus. Time has come, open your eyes, sharpen up to the sixth sense, feeling right here, right now. Um, there are also some very strange translations, too. Um, Ignore the signal and change the arrow of that hand, baby. Looming target in anticipation of an alternative greeting had been cut to the baby. Era, get to pull out the knife. So weird shit like that, but you sort of get the gist of it, I think, Mike. You know, era, the era of time, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do like how this is probably the first uh, Google translation of lyric that I'm just going to say this line as it's translated. Let's leave the trajectory of my etal generation right here, right now. First time I've ever heard etal used in a Google translation. 
Yeah, it's pretty unique, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the English version does make it a lot easier with the lyrics, too. And um, speaking of, uh, let's play a little bit of that English version of Right Here, Right Now. It's literally just the same song, but in English. You know, same tempo, style, everything. Vocals are a little different because they're in English, but it's the same song, really. And lyrically, it's much easier to understand. You want to break down the common clockwork. Don't hesitate to let it go. We have our knives in our hands to cut our ways for the new age. Are you with us or are you against us? We are not going to just kill time. You want to see what you've never seen. So again, the idea of time, uh, cutting a new age, a new era, and letting go of the past and all that stuff, Mike. It all makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no. And it's something that, again, like, it's such a concentrated, just overall theme that they managed to lay out here. And I might be wrong about this, but I think this was the first uh, Dragon Gate theme to have an English version come out. So it was a pretty landmark thing when this theme came out as well. And it came out, like, towards the end of the unit and i remember it like happening it's like i was like millennials got an english name oh it's the same song but they they have someone co- coming out and singing in english and now that's kind of been something that nearly everyone now has an english theme that they go with yeah and uh, we've had a few on this show as well yeah um certainly makes my job easier that's for damn sure uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so let's get into the singles themes now and uh, we'll start off with Ata or E-I-T-A, as Brian Alvarez once called him. Uh, Eita, currently the leader of R-E-D, and a former Dreamgate champion. Also a former Bravegate, Twingate, and Gate champion, too. His theme is by Soyokaze, and it's called Overdrive the Mirage. Mama, 
Uh, yes. The song that makes me think... Is the track skipping? Oh no, that's, that's just the song, okay. Um, you know, it's funny, Mike. At this point, I'm so used to hearing the current version of Overdrive the Mirage with the English lyrics and Darker Scheme that when I heard this version, it did take me aback a little bit. Because this is a lot different than that one. You know, it's a lot more chipper and dancey and bright. And um, I guess futuristic is a good word to use. Um, especially since the vocals sound like a robot. Um, but I guess if you're in a group that's about the future, it's somewhat fitting, I guess, Mike, you know? Yeah, and when you said it was almost cute, that really kind of like rang a bell because for a while, Ada was kind of pushed as the budding dream boat. Like, it made sense that he would have somewhat of a cutish theme and like the da 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 It's just like one of those things that there's a lot of things to be said about Ada, but like at this time period, they definitely were like, let's see what we can do. He's right now a tweener, but when he turns face, we want him to kind of be the heartthrob. And it's interesting that when he, after Millennials was over and he had the new darker version of Overdrive, the Mirage, he was already using it into like other face units he was at before his big heel turn, before becoming the boss of RED and kind of the leader of the young generation. Yeah, he was in uh, Over Generation as well, and uh, there was a mix of this song for that group too, yeah. Um, and the lyrics in this, they also touch upon, again, the future and the new era. Armed with digitalization, can you feel this reality as the dawn of a new era? You can't go back. I'm going to the place where I can cross that border, widen my wings far away. Um, so except in this case, it focuses more on the individual. It's not we, it's I, which, you know, makes sense. But there's still that connection to right here, right now with the yeah, yeah vocals, which I like as well, Mike. It's a cool little touch. Yeah, and it's something that's very interesting because when when Eita, T-Hawk, and UT came back from Mexico, originally, like you mentioned, Eita, all of his moves are in Spanish. And it's something that like he more embodied, like coming from Lucha Libre, he was someone who was, a assistant member of Pedro del Mal. Like he was someone who, uh, and it, it became somewhat of a joke. Like he was someone that everyone, like before he really kind of took the bull by the horns after everyone left, everyone kind of like made the remarks like, oh, he's in the doghouse. And it was kind of like whispers because he'd rather be back in Mexico. And talking about like, spreading his wings and flying away, there's a lot to be said about at least HS trajectory up until his heel turn with like that, how it holds up to his lyrics. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because compared to the other millennials, Eita was the one who did grow and widen his wings, so to speak, and become this big player and Dreamgate champion and the most successful guy in the group. Um, it took a while to get there, mind you, but Eita is now an established top guy, uh, which was the whole point of this group to begin with. So say what you will about him being in the doghouse or whatever, but eventually he did make it on top, Mike. Yeah, yeah, it was something that really actually it was over generation when he was uh, joked around as the trash bag dinosaur because over generation, for those who didn't know, everyone had capes because L. Lindemann had a cape and Shima went like, oh, that that's cool. We're all gonna have capes. And Ada's was basically this like polyester scarf they had went over that had a hood that had a ridge on it as if a dinosaur. And it was like the ugliest thing in the world. But it was that time that he really kind of like spread his wings and was able to make the big step forward. Of course, he had the uh, Super Jacob match against Jushin Thunder Liger 2016. And then 
you know, as soon as Antios became R.E.D. and he was definitively the leader of the group, it's it's been all like all engines go for him. I mean, he last year won King of Gate, and then he won uh, they won to open the dream the Dream Gate. He became one of the youngest people to co- basically do an all kill because he won the previous tag team tournament several times, and he was as you mentioned, like he's held every single belt in the company, and you know he's not even thirty at this point, and he's finally kind of reaching the potential that everyone was expecting out of this group. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of R.E.D. and uh, this current era of ETA, uh, there's his current theme. Uh, it's by Peter Klassen. Uh, so let's hear Overdrive the Mirage English version. couple of obvious differences. Uh, it's in English. Duh. Uh, the music is a lot different. It's heavier. And then there's the opening, which sounds like a modern-day Vince. Overdrive. Quite frankly, I'm not referring to Age of the Performer. I'm referring to Age of the Competitor. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's very evil-sounding, which works because he's evil. He's a heel. But it's also very fun to imitate. Like, I, I can't lie. Oh, absolutely. And the, the the lyrics in English, it's something that, like, Eita is someone that not only is a successful wrestler, he's, he's known for, like, his, mach- his machinations, like, his schemes, and, like, leading, and, like, in the second stanza going, no turning back a supernova in the psyche of a master. Like, just, like, he he's someone who has plans upon plans. And I think Vince McMahon, you know, he might not know how he feels about Ada as a competitor, but he would look at this at these plans and think that it was good shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the English vocals for sure, just because you know they feel a lot more human and real and emotional. And the lyrics are pretty cool too. Digitalized in the body and the eyes of a champion. Can you see it now? No turning back. A supernova in the psyche of a master. Can you feel it now? With the might of a thousand men, gonna be no limit to where we can go. A never-ending evolution, the supernatural innovation, a burning passion. Like, they really put over Eita as this big deal, which, you know, as the biggest heel in the company is what you want, Mike. So, you know, there you go. Yeah, and it's something that Eita is going to be an interesting person to follow over the next, like, six to eight months as he is this leader and as we are, like, in this very turbulent era of Dragon Gate that 
better chance than not that he will be turning face and will be out of red and it'll be interesting to see because i feel like that you have like two distinct different versions of overdrive the mirage here between the japanese english version and everyone is kind of like now either getting new themes or getting like now they're bringing back the big match theme and it'll be interesting to see how they adapt overdrive the mirage or if they go in a new direction for Ata as we go forward yeah we'll see we'll see um I mean, regardless, I still don't know what Overdrive the Mirage actually means, but <laughs> it sounds cool at least, so, you it, know. <laughs> it, it, it kind of has, I, I'm someone that is really into kind of like Vaporwave and like that kind of uh, style of music and that aesthetic. Overdrive the Mirage definitely sounds like a comp tape name that I found on YouTube by someone who like did two hours of this and has a very neon Joey Janela out uh, <laughs> uh, a DeLorean on the cover and on the video just like standing there and i can imagine ada in the front of the delorean or like leaning up against it you know with his red his red sunglasses on you know sneering and behind him is is a mirage and i feel like that that really fits it like that's how i choose to interpret overdrive the mirage that's how it works for me yeah it has a lot of upvotes on the outrun subreddit you know that's Absolutely. it's probably true right yeah i mean come on yeah um up next, we'll look at Ata's former tag partner, T-Hawk, who was set up to be a big deal in the company, uh, had some big wins, won King of Gate, uh, headlined Kobe World, but that did not turn out to be because he left at the start of 2018 with Shima and Stronghearts and the rest is history. T-Hawk's theme is by Els and it's called Aurora. Once again, I would love to do a steamed hams reference, but I will be a good boy here and not do so. Um, but the idea to base a wrestling theme around the Aurora Borealis is not a bad one, because the Northern Lights are this spectacle. They are this amazing thing to look at, and cultures around the world have it in their mythology. You know, it's just this unique part of the world that you can't take your eyes off of. So... Having a wrestling theme that connects you to that mystical, cool-looking phenomenon, it works, I think, Mike. Yeah, and it's something also that works with him in a way. Uh, he is from Hokkaido, which is the northernmost uh, prefecture. Oh, you stole and... my note. God damn it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought I was, I was laying something new on here. But yeah, no, it fits him in a lot of different ways in this theme. You know, it's, it's very much like kind of mysterious and th th there's no dragon system wrestler that i wonder what they're thinking more than t-hawk most of the time <laughs> yeah it uh it talks about uh, a mysterious gradient woven by the northern lands like the northern lights 
I will tear the wall to be blocked with that right arm. Gathering 1990. Sharpened knife hand strike. The new era of the flag hand must be entrusted to the guide of the road of fate. And I love that because there are many layers to that. One, it says that like how the northern lights tear up the sky, T-Hawk will tear down the wall, meaning he'll advance in his career, he'll move forward. Two, it references 1990, which is T-Hawk's birth year, and his sharpened knife hand strike, which is the chop, and T-Hawk's known for his chops. And three, as you said, Mike, um, a mysterious gradient woven by the Northern Lands doesn't just mean Aurora Borealis. T-Hawk's hometown is in Hokkaido, which is the north of Japan. So you have all these little things that work metaphorically for T-Hawk, but also literally about him too. So that's pretty cool, Mike. Yeah, and I mean, even like other than like the knife hand chops calls out night ride that's been his finisher pretty much since returning it's just like a really like interesting theme music and you could tell like the difference between ada's theme with overdrive the mirage and t-hawk's theme and aurora that one of them was one of them was going to be a guy and one of them was going to be the guy and this is a theme and these are lyrics that you give to the guy yes and unfortunately he did not turn out to be the guy um you know the irony of him having this theme song about tearing down the wall and he's this special guy and whatnot and it just didn't work out that way i mean they tried you know he he won king of gate he made it into kobe world uh he took out um was it was it the jimmies or was it team veteran uh, team veteran okay yeah because you know he got the push but the way it worked out it just didn't take and he left with shima and lindeman and yamamura and he's been pretty much a nomad ever since. You know, OWE in China bombed, and in Japan, he zipped around to Russell One, DDT, Big Japan, All Japan, Zero One, fucking Kaliga Pro. And I was going to be in goddamn Gleet. It's like such a damn shame, Mike, because whatever jokes about his promo skills aside, he's a really great wrestler. And he deserves a lot more than where he's at right now. Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, on Open the Voice Gate, we, we I mentioned like we're starting work on a Masato Yoshino project, and Case brought forward the Kobe World 2015 main event with him with T Hawk after winning King of Gate. Going uh, actually, no, he won King of Gate two years later, but he challenged against Masato Yoshino, and everything was like just set up for him. I mean, it it really is like the best laid best laid plans. I mean, in this lead up to like his first big main event match, like the biggest show in Dragon Gate's year. Uh, he not only eliminates the uh, team veteran, which has all the old guard, has Masaki Mochizuki, has Shima, has everyone. And then in Dead or Alive, the cage match, he's the one who eliminates Shima and takes his hair. And then Shima goes, all right, you know, you did this. Now it's time for you. To, you took my hair. It's time for you to take the ball and run with it. And, you, you know, it's never due to lack of effort for T-Hawk. It just was one of those things that, Dragon Gate's a unique company, and you know you could set up all of these plans, you could set up everything like this, but if the crowd doesn't like you, I mean, you're kind of stuck. And the crowd in Dragon Gate likes different things than the majority of Japanese wrestling, and it's insane because Seahawk is incredibly talented. He is he, one of the matches he had in in Russell One. It was him and Elinaman against uh, Shuji Kondo, who's now back in the fold, and Koji Doi. It, it was one of the uh, Yokohama Bunka shows was insane. And he his appearances in AEW. I mean, 
didn't make a lot of appearances, but I mean, it is a trivia note now forever that Strong Hearts versus SEU was the opener for the first AEW pay-per-view, and there was a really sneaky, fun tag match that was an eight-man tag. It was the Young Bucks and Cody and Dustin Rhodes versus Shima and T-Hawk and Private, Private Party. Party. Yeah, incredible match. It's just a shame that I just never really like. He he might be the most cursed man because it looked like in 2020 that Strong Hearts were going to be based around Mexico. There was like that they debuted on AAA on the last show in AAA before they shut down. And if they were based in Mexico, they'd be they would get more opportunities to work in America. And they started working in America a whole lot between Defy and Warrior Wrestling. And then COVID happened. It's just like he he is someone that I find incredibly fascinating. If I ever got a chance to talk to T Hawk, I would have a lot of questions, but I but I think those are questions that he wouldn't have the answers of either. Yeah, it's weird because there was that Young Bucks match with him and Lindemann too on Dark that was also really good. And it's just a shame because you know, that, that AAA AEW run would have been a real good spot for him, I think. You know, something fresh and exciting at least. And then the pandemic hit and nixed that and he's been bouncing around ever since. And there's even been talk of him like retiring as well. And you just want to talk to the guy and say, buddy, you are so talented in that ring. You deserve better. You can be a big star. I know you can. And because of COVID or loyalty to Shima or whatever, it's just... He's not doing it. And, you know, I don't know for sure what his future is going to be. But right now, it's not looking that hot, Mike, I don't think. Yeah, it, it, it it's one of those things that you, like, look at someone and it's just like the uh, case has a phrase that I'm going to butcher here. But in 100 realities, he's living in the worst one. Like, imagine, like, it's very easy to see the world that, like, instead of Ata kind of being, like, this, the the banner waver of this generation that's happening, it would have been T-Hawk, and everything would have taken, you know, it would have been a completely different Dragon Gate, I would argue, if just certain things happened and things went T-Hawk's way, but interestingly enough, during the excursion that they had, they did do some DGUSA appearances, and T-Hawk got the American crowds immediately. Like that, like that's how frustrating T Hawk is because it's, it's, it's not due to a lack of him trying. Like he's not someone who ever like half assets, half asses in the ring. He just was someone that what he was offering, people weren't buying. And by the way, he was the guy who took out the Jimmies. He was the one who survived that unit dispense match to end the Jimmies. So that's another that. notch in his belt right there. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's something that I mean they kept on trying. I actually had an article that I wrote up on Voices of Wrestling before the Kobe World 2017 main event where he won King of Gate and he was going to face Yamato, you know, another capital T, capital G guy in Dragon Gate. And it was, and this article was all about like, and it was very pessimistic of me. And I felt bad about it like three years later looking back at it. But my closing line was basically like, we'll see if this is another failed ace for his sake. I hope it isn't, but I'm not really, I, I, I'm not just uh, waiting in anticipation. I can see how this, how the cards will fall. And then you mean the cards fell the way they were. I mean, he was, you, you know, him and Russell one, he got the title Russell one and they actually drew pretty well for Russell one at that time. So I wonder what his niche is. I wonder if it's he's going to be someone who I could see in 15 years uh, going back home, going up to Sapporo, going to Hokkaido, opening a regional indie like how there's Riku Dragon and Kyushu Pro. And maybe he becomes the Gurkhan mask of Hokkaido. That would be interesting. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I hope not, but that would be interesting. I, I, I mean, I, I hate them going to like these like dark places, but I mean, there's worse things in the world than to be the person that whenever someone runs your island, they have to book you on your show. Yeah, you're the one who's doing all the promotion, just like the well, one of the smartest businessmen in all of wrestling, Gurkhan Mask. Oh yeah, every year in New Japan, it's like you look at the card and it's like. Gurken Mask, what the hell is he doing? Oh, they're in Okinawa. That's right. <laughs> there was this match last week, right before Dead or Alive, that it was Gurken Mask's 20th anniversary that Yamato came in because Dragon Gate and Ryukyu Dragon, uh, Gurken Mask promotion had a relationship. And they had this match, and it was amazing. Like, Gurken Mask owns. Like, it's just we always see him kind of as like an add in. And then this match with him and Yamato was like a 20 minute match. And the, the crowd was just molten. Like, there were crowd calls for Gurken Mask. Like in 2021, like the, the, they loved him that much, and he's he's great. And maybe maybe Hokkaido mask, maybe that's what ends up with T Hawk. But he's a good looking guy. He shouldn't have to put a mask on. Mm-hmm. All right. So the third original member of Millennials is U T. Uh, that's the letter U dash letter T, um, or as Alvarez might call him, Ut. U uh, <laughs> uh, T. Uh, the least successful of the original three. Uh, currently, though, he is in the revamped version of Natural Vibes. His theme is by Miyuji, and it's called said earlier a lot of these themes share a common link and that they talk about you know new eras this is my time etc but a few of them do get pretty specific in talking about the life story of the wrestler and this is one of them it's called 1993 and uh, if you don't get that right away that was the year that ut was born i mean the opening line is literally 1993 i was born into this world and opened up my destiny like it could not be more clear that the song is about UT's life. And, you know, given UT's story of him being a Dragon Gate fan as a kid and wanting to be in this company, then, you know, using that story as the basis for his theme is a natural and cool thing to do, Mike. Yeah, and it's something that it, I, I like kind of how both him and a thing we'll get to later, they're kind of like telling like life stories here. UT is a very fascinating figure in Dragon Gate, not only because of 
the very trials and tribulations and the fact that we might need to analyze his body for science because he might have bird bones. <laughs> but the fact that he was someone that was a huge Dragon Gate fan as a kid. And that's something that, you know, for his seniors wasn't necessarily the case because, you know, Shingo Takagi is someone who's approaching 40. Dragon, like he maybe would have seen Torimon and like Shoe Pro, but he wasn't necessarily a fan. Uh, it, UT was a huge fan. Like there's photos of him with his favorite wrestler growing up, Dragon Kid, when he was a kid going to shows in Nagoya. Like you could see him in the crowd on on shows in Nagoya, and like talking about this in this match is just and this theme is just really awesome. UT is also, with the exception of Masashi, most Mochizuki, my favorite person in Dragon Gate to watch wrestle. So the, this is a theme that I've really grown to cherish. As it's had different versions throughout the years but it still kind of has the same thing and you know I, I i love our poor bird bone boy here you know it's just so someone that like he's really taking the yaveo style and if you're someone that whenever you hear yave and you're like oh that's kind of like the really kind of weird lucha libre that and helco does uh seek out ut because ut has found a way to like adapt it to different audiences to make it look really compelling Mm, yeah, and and naturally, when you have a song built around that kind of story, it becomes very inspirational with the lyrics. You keep believing. You buy yourself through yourself. The light that I felt in the distance approaches in front of me. In this city, in this hand, in order to care for the childhood, I put everything on the table to make that dream come true. And musically, it lines up too. You know, it has this stirring, emotional pop song quality to it that really puts it over the top. So... I think overall, it's the whole package that makes it very inspirational, Mike. Absolutely, and like the, the fact that like it doesn't outright say Nagoya, but it's like a lot of references to the city, his city, and he's kind of become a guy that in recent years, whenever they have their big shows in Nagoya, dead or alive, he's put into big matches and he delivers. And I, I don't know if you have this in your notes, so I don't want to steal another fact here. He did not debut in Dragon Gate because the day before he debuted, he was whisked away to Mexico by Ata and T-Hawk because they wanted to train him in his way with his generation. Where was he going to debut? Nagoya. I didn't have that in my notes, but I did know he started in Mexico, which is a nice little fun fact there. Yeah, so. It's just such a fun song. Like, it is very stirring. And I mean, now he's kind of called the Braveheart. He is someone that is a very kind of not the not the size of the dog, but the size of the fight in the dog kind of person. And it, it's one of those things that's very hard not to hear 1993 and then feel like you want to cheer on the, this little guy as he tries to tie people into knots. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, it does help that he's a toothpick. Right, like he's a very small guy, and that whole motivational "Golly gee, I'm living my dreams" story does come across a little bit easier when he's not this hulking muscle god. Um, the problem is, as you said, Mike, he's also known for being injury prone, and does that help his motivational story in a way? Sure. Does it help his career? Not so much, Mike. No, no, I mean. He has not held a title since he was a member of uh, uh, of Millennials. He he was so injury prone they put him into a tournament with people like Shun Skywalker and Kaido Ishida because he because they're like oh he's he's so hurt so much so he's he's practically a rookie. So I mean it's one of those things that you 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 feel for him and it's one of those things like with him in natural vibes now he he has some you you know some good leadership there from you know Ginky and Susumu and KZ that. I, I, it's really kind of interesting, exciting to see where it's going to go with them. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit tricky for a company to push you when you've got glass bones and paper skin. Uh, so 
it looks, you know, like plucky underdog is going to be his role for the time being, but he's good at it for sure. And uh, yeah, I think Natural Vibes is a great fit for him because, you know, you can't get any more of a lovable plucky group of guys than Natural Vibes. So, you know, I just hope he stays as healthy as he can be, Mike, you know, so good luck to him. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, it raises the dancing quotient because he's a much better dancer than Susumu. You know? Oh, yeah, that's for sure. He, he yeah. brings it to the table. <laughs> he brings it to the table. Yeah, well, the thing is, it's like UT actually wants to dance. That's <laughs> that, that's half the battle right there, you know, so. <laughs> it, 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 it's something that uh, last year when they brought back Natural Vibes and they started the year with like the big tryout thing. And then you oh, had I love Dragon that. Kid. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, Dragon <laughs> and Don Fuji who were just doing whatever they could just to corpse people. And you had UT and Takedo Kamei just very uh, dedicatedly doing the dancing. I'm like, all right. They're doing this. They have like the two cute guys up front. You can hide Susumu in the back as he's trying to, as you can see him like think about, okay, next I do my set back. I do my set forward and just completely would rather be anywhere else, but dancing with anyone in the ring. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, speaking of plucky underdogs, it's time to chat about Yosuke Santa Maria. Maria is the former Super Shenlong 3 and is an exotico, uh, meaning that she is a male wrestler who dresses and acts like a female, and is referred to as such. Um, Maria's theme is by Yuri Kamuro. So let's all take a Santa Maria walk. could use one word to describe this song it would be delightful this puts a smile on my face every time i hear it santa maria the vocals the music it's so delightful and wonderful and it's perfect for maria too who is this you know bubbly full of life and love kind of person i mean she has the heart symbol in her name for god's sake so you know, is this the coolest theme in the world or the toughest? Maybe not, but damn it, Mike, I love it just the same. It's great. Oh no, it, it's a theme that even like through the years, and they've done like the little tweaks for Tri Vanguard for her. It's one of those things that whenever you hear it, it is one of those themes that's impossible not to smile at because it's just so it's jaunty. Well, like that's the word to describe it. Like you got the da 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 Santa Maria, and you just like you hear that, and you're instantly like put in a good mood, and it, and it fits her personality, her character so well, and especially as like the premier plucky. Uh, underdog in Dragon Gate. It just 
it fits her so well and it it like talks about like her kisses it talks about like her hip attacks and the the thing at least in this translation i don't know if yours has it outright reference to some like it hot which you know pops me just as well yeah it's so great because the other millennial themes are like this is my time this is my dream i'm a champion don't stand in our way Maria's theme is not about that. Uh, no, it talks about her beautiful face, her beautiful ass, her beautiful breasts shaking distressed, <laughs> her uh, beautiful legs, uh, dazzling hair, wink and hot throw kiss. I mean, this is a real saucy number, but when you have a wrestler who likes to kiss people and put their crotch in their face, I mean, it's not that big of a shock here, Mike. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's definitely like, all right, well, it, the first lady of Dragon Gates come to the ring. Look how beautiful and look how cute she is. And, and then suddenly she is doing pompous on Gamma. And, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it's a great disparity that kind of plays out. And then again, well, we, we talked just recently about UT and Tri Vanguard, when these two people were part of Tri Vanguard with Kakatori, they had like one of the more fun, plucky baby face uh, Triangle Gate team challenge themes that just is, it's very hard to like hear this theme music and of course they came out to santa maria walk they didn't come out to blow him away when this happened because you know you you, you know yatsuka nakazawa he knows what he's doing here yeah yeah i mean it also works because it's not like maria is destined to be a main eventer right i mean it's okay for her to have the funny lovey dovey entrance theme because she's not going to be the company ace or whatever she's going to be undercard comedy and that's okay because that's what she's great at and that's where the character fits. So the theme works for her spot in the card as well, Mike, I'd say. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Like the, I, I, I shudder at the idea of what a big match Santa Maria theme would be like. Like this is, <laughs> she, she's usually an opener. She's usually in the Battle Royals and she'll get like Twin Gate, Triangle Gate uh, challenges. And she's a former Open the Brave Gate champion. That It's perfect for who she is. You know, I mean, that it's something that like fits the vibe and the aesthetic so well. And I mean, even fits in with the millennials aesthetic like the, the like the jauntiness is like a contract to the the, the pseudo overrun of of overdrive the mirage the stirringness of 1993 and kind of the mystery of aurora like it's it's all like a complete package when you take all of these themes as a whole absolutely um you know mike i don't know if you were aware of this but originally maria was supposed to have an everclear gimmick she would have been Yosuke Santa Monica. Folks, <laughs> let's go. Come on. Would she have a lot of divorced dad songs? Or like that? <laughs> would that be like her moves names would be like child support or every other weekend? <laughs> we can live beside Yamato. Leave the fire. By- oh, sorry. 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 Okay. <laughs> Up next, it's the theme for one of the Mexican stars of the millennials, Flamita, a former Brave Gate champion. Currently signed with ROH. Uh, Flamita's theme is by Hikari of the band Akma, our good buddies Akma. This is called Flamfly. Yes, I was only 19 when I wore the mask. For the first time led by destiny I put myself into this way or battlefield I had no choice but to fight and win Ay, 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 who rides in the west? Ay, 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 the west sun goes down Ay, 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 my dreams will come true 
Pastry would have wings. It's very weird. Oh wait, that's flan fly. My mistake. Um, oh, I, I'm incorrigible. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, it's no surprise that the Mexican wrestler is going to have a theme that plays into those roots, because this does have an Hispanic flair to it. Not too over the top. It's not like a mariachi band or whatever, but you can feel that Latin dance vibe to this one pretty well, I think, Mike. Yeah, and you have the strings playing with it, and like the way that it has very, a very pronounced beat to it. It definitely like, it is very reminiscent of what you would think with someone who is a luchador, someone from Mexico, and in a unit that outright cribs the fact that it was formed in Mexico, and it's very fitting. And you know, this is a theme that like I, it's so identifiable with him. Like I couldn't tell you what the Mexa blood or. Uh, his Ring of Honor singles theme is because I instantly go to Flam Fly like to the extent that after he left Dragon Gate a couple times he would use the song on the indies it just became that like synonymous with Lomita. Yeah and this is another one like UT's theme where it's very autobiographical and inspirational. Yes I was only 19 when I wore the mask for the first time led by the destiny. I put myself into the square battlefield. I had no choice but to fight and win. I I I I horizon in the west. I I I I the red sun goes down. I I I I my dreams will come true. Someday I'm gonna be on top of the world. Flam fly, fly to the endless sky. Flam fly, there is no turning back. Fly high, high, high to make a new history. So there is that millennials mindset of no turning back, making new history, but it leans a lot heavier into Flamita's backstory as a luchador and, and personal ambitions and all that stuff, Mike. Oh, yeah. And he is someone that he came over to Dragon Gate at age 19. He is one of the youngest champions. I think still to this day, he was one of the youngest champions. And his Brave Gate reign kind of goes down as like a definitive turning point in the division. And when you like talk about foreigners in Dragon Gate and Gaijin, he's the name that comes after you talk about Ricochet and Pack. Like he is the guy for this era of Dragon Gate that he was a part of. He was the big Gaijin before Jason Lee came aboard. And it's very fitting there. It's something where it has, Flam flies the name of his finishing move. So it, it, it's constantly like making people think about his standing, his standing Spanish fly there. And, you know, with, with like all the imagery, like talking about flames, sun going down, it, it, it's all very fitting for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's also that line, I met the mates with the same ambitions at last, so far away from the home sweet home. So it touches on the rest of the group as well, and the fact that, yeah, Flamita is an outsider. He's from Mexico. This is not his home, but he's going to make it anyway, and fly high and do all that stuff. And given that he was Brave Gate champion for almost 300 days when he was only 19 years old... There's something to that. You know, he didn't reach the levels of other foreigners like, say, Ricochet or Pac, who were Dreamgate champions. But for a 19-year-old luchador to be Bravegate champion for 290 days, that's a pretty cool deal, Mike. Oh, yeah. And he's someone that if he were to reappear in Dragon Gate tomorrow, he he is a known entity. He, he has made his name there. And, I mean, 
to the extent that he left Dragon Gate for a while because he got a position in AAA, which, you know, you don't ever take the Octagon Junior mask. It just never ends well with anyone who takes it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah. when as soon as he came back, it was, oh, yeah, no, it's Flamita. He's back. He's he's back home. And it's very interesting. Like, I mean, he was the person who uh, he brought Bandito into Dragon Gate and that launched Bandito's really career and outside of Mexico. And he's just like such like a figure that like with the ambitions that like he met with because the promotions that uh, Ata, T-Hawk and UT mainly wrestled in were IWRG and DTU and DTU was his home promotion. Like he was, he became this link between Dragon Gate and Mexico at a time where like this was a time where Ultima was not a name spoken of. Like people did not talk, did they, they would always speak about Mexico in very oblique terms. And he kind of became a touch point with the Dragon System past when they didn't have one. Yeah, yeah. Um, funny story, actually. Uh, a few years ago at Mania Weekend in New York, I was at the Rev Pro show and Flamita was on the card. And when he came out, they used the Millennials version of the theme with the Stinger. Now, keep in mind, this is like four years after the group disbanded. Um, <laughs> and I think he had like Tribe Vanguard on his tights too. Uh, so it was, you know, pretty obvious that Rev Pro just got this from like YouTube or whatever. But it was still very funny, Mike. Oh, oh, he used it in progress when he did the Super Strong Style 16. It, <laughs> it, 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 it's only like my second favorite one of like Dragon Gate having really outdate things with the wrestlers. My favorite one is, speaking of Gaijin, the fact that Anthony Nice did two tours of Dragon Gate, was an assistant member of Monster Express, was in the program and on the roster page almost basically up until he signed with WWE. Like three years later, he was still counted as a member of the roster. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Our second-to-last millennial is a guy who is uh, sadly now retired. It's Katoka. Yes, that Katoka of the fame, uh, also a former Brigade champion. His theme is by Masakazu Murata, and it's called Live My Dreams Millennial Mix. So this is really cut from the same cloth as 1993 is. Uh, same overall tone and sound. Very inspirational, um, though it's arguably even more inspirational than UT's theme is. Um, I mean, it's called Live My Dreams, for God's sake. Like, 
that's a big sign right there. And that's what this theme is all about, you know, living your dreams. I'm going to live my dreams. I'm going to find the road. I'm going to take a chance. You're going to feel my soul. That's the crux of the song. So it's very earnest and emotional and easy to root for. It does make it a bit weird when he turns heel and joins Berserk and starts doing the and all that stuff. But regardless, it's a proven method for an effective theme song, Mike. Yeah, and especially they like having, and Millennial is a great example of this, like being able to have these themes like 1993, like Live My Dreams, that for people that on the roster to kind of get the fans behind them. Like this is, like as you said, it's like so inspirational. It is so much like I'm going to like grab the reins and ride this horse as far as I can. And it's something that it kind of fits with Katoka because Katoka had a lot like UT, like these, uh, like it's kind of interesting that these two guys have kind of similar themes, at least lyrically, given like their histories, because he was someone that constantly was having injuries. He was part time for a while. He used to be a morning TV reporter and wrestled at the same time. And that kind of became a thing. And it was very much like when he committed to and joined the millennials when he did, like that was kind of like a, oh, Katoka's actually doing something now moment. And then kind of like embodies love my dreams it's like oh he's going to live his dreams he's, he's giving this an actual go yeah and the angle it takes it plays off of his insecurities over his size because he was a small guy too and it talks about that in the song with that small body i will change big dreams one by one into reality when you stand up against a big wall of insecurity you just have to look in front of it bouncing on the bewilderment the light of hope so it's not just generic follow your dreams type stuff. Again, like 1993 or Flamfly, there's a personal touch here that makes it work just that much better, Mike. Yeah, and for someone that like that he had a Shima Sito like gimmick called Shiba because his last name his is His surname is Shiba. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like they kept on like trying things with us. He was in the match that made Punch Tomonaga Punch Tomonaga. Like that, like they constantly were doing stuff with him that was not necessarily like in Dragon Gate. Everyone's like, "Haha, that that's fine." But you can see like how like kind of like get at your personality a little bit, like being small, having to basically be forced to be the uh, junior, the mini of the biggest guy in the company, and then being put into a match where the loser has to get a punch perm. Like it was something <laughs> that like then finally like he kind of like goes like, "That's enough. I'm joining up with my generational uh, compatriots, and we're going to take down." team veteran and it just was like one of those big moments that with him and the person that we'll talk about next like it completely changed the landscape of millennials for its last half year the fact that katoka and elinaman joined when they did and you know the theme kind of fits like he was going to take his chance he was going to step out to the lines then he would after millennials he would go kind of crazy you know dye his hair red be obsessed with shouting out there and you just be an absolute just menace in, in a lot of ways like there's a period where he started shaving people's heads the, like the that is kind of forgotten in the career of Katoka that like after millennials he he became, he started becoming Brutus the Barber ship uh brief beefcake or Brutus the Barber Shiva in a lot, <laughs> lot of ways. Yes, uh, as Hank Hill would say, that boy ain't right. But but yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the sad thing is, as I mentioned, Katoka had to retire a few years ago. Um, so there's like a tragic element here too, given that he had to give up his dream. And he's doing okay now with the gyms and whatnot, but yeah, it always sucks when a young guy has to retire early. And, you know, having a song called Live My Dreams, 
is just that little extra kick in the dick, Mike, I think, you know? Yeah, it it's rough, but the nice thing about Live My Dreams is I don't think there was a theme for someone who was on this station of the card that had so many different versions because I don't know if you've ever come across the Berserk Unit theme CD. Uh, have you seen that, Andrew, or have you ever found like tracks from it before? I think so, yeah, yeah. Th- there is this really smooth jazz remix of Live My Dreams on it that absolutely rocks. <laughs> something that you can imagine a 60 year old salaryman at the karaoke bar you know just be holding by a war just beat down by everything just getting up there and belting out i just want to live my dreams and it's just very very like stirring and you know katoka has this place in dragon system history and it's not just because of being the vet guy not just because he was shiba I mean, he, he kind of found his own his own niche. He was a member of Maximum before he ended. And, of course, the, the other kind of sad thing about it is he's the first person in the roster to have a legitimate brother aboard, not acting like that they are related like Hiromi Horiguchi or like the various Arai brothers. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. Uh, you mentioned the multiple versions of the song. Uh, there's the original version, Millennial Mix, uh, the version funk rock, acoustic, piano, and there's also a newer version called Live My Dreams Number 2, which was used by Katoka's younger brother, Oji Shiba. And the weird, cursed nature of this song is that like his brother, Oji got injured, and then he left the company, like a few weeks ago. So you've got one brother who has this inspirational, hopeful theme, who gets hurt and has to retire, then the younger brother gets that theme, and he gets hurt and decides to leave too. It, it's utterly bizarre, Mike. There must be something going on in the Shiba household. I don't know if it's like a carbon monoxide poisoning, or if it's just like, I, I don't know what it is. But, you know, OG was someone that debuted right before his brother retired in 2018. And I think he had a grand total of a dozen televised matches because he was that injured and it became to a point where he got injured most recently and how how must it feel if you're someone who you're entering the company like his dream was to hold the twin gate with katoka and of course that couldn't happen but you're in the company for three years and you see 
and, and you look and you see like well on the sidelines you see like oh sp kento is now the guy in a lot of ways and he's main eventing dead or alive uh hip-hop kakuda who came after him is getting a dreamgate title shot and i i just looked this up to make sure he had a grand total of 64 matches in dragon gate before he retired like he was that he was that snake bit like his last match he had was in june of last year uh wouldn't be surprised like he did not out and out retire it does seem like that they kind of were like this isn't working he's like yeah I, I should probably look elsewhere and I hope for his sake, like he recovers. I bet, I bet his big brother would get him a job. He could, he can train people at the gym. There's other wrestlers who, who are trainers at the kicky line of gyms. Great uh, gym name, by the way, kicky gym. I like that a whole lot. And who knows? We might see that Mike Donorato has a new friend in the future. Don't ruin Christmas, Mike. Come on, I, come on. I, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I, that, that's I'm not saying anything else from there. I, I don't want to be called shoot trash by people who watch DDT. <laughs> so we've reached the final theme here, and it's for the sweetest boy in all the land, the boy prince of wrestling, as you have dubbed him, Mike. It's L. Lindemann, who, like T-Hawk, has bounced around Japan the past few years with strong hearts. Lindemann's theme is by Sammy from the band Billy and the Sluts. Yes, that's real. <laughs> it's called L I N D A. I described Maria's theme as delightful. I'll describe this theme as rambunctious. There is such a madcap Nickelodeon show montage energy to this song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Linda, Linda, L I N D A, da 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 da. Like it's playful and fun, but there's also like this cheeky element there too. Like you can totally picture Lindemann running around a theme park, causing all sorts of mischief and hijinks to this song. It's perfect, Mike. It's wonderful, just like Lindemann. Yeah, I like to imagine that when Strong Hearts were in Florida, that they would go to Universal Studios or Disney World, and just because of how rambunctious Linda tends to be, that he has on one of those harnesses, one of those baby harnesses, <laughs> and, 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 and Shima, because Shima's not going to be the one holding on the harness, he throws the, the handle to T-Hawk, say, that's your problem, bud. And it, it really is like, like you could see, and especially like this era of Lindemann, he very much was the boy prince of wrestling. You could see him as like guest starring on Rugrats or on like one of the one of the various other later 
uh, Nickelodeon shows that or Disney shows that Case makes fun of me for not ever hearing. You know, it it, it fits him so well, and you know, it, it's such like a departure, like that this song, given what his gimmick was and what he was named after. Yeah, I mean, when your name is L. Lindemann, you're already inviting a cheeky energy, and this song lives up to that because he's a very cheeky, rambunctious boy. The opening lines are. Staring at a dream that can't be calmed down. I can't stop walking until I have this. Like the energy is right there at the start. Keep running, keep running, keep running. To expose the irrepressible emotions. Like it's so fitting for Lindemann because he's just like, yeah, he's that annoying little brother who won't sit still for five goddamn minutes and shut the hell up. And that visual of Shima handing T-Hawk the leash and being like, I'm going to Epcot. He's all yours. Good luck. It's very fitting, Mike. <laughs> yeah, it it is, and it's something that like he is like talking about like strong hearts. Yamamura was the person that was going to be like the breakout star, but Linda is the person that I miss most in the company. I mean, as much as I would love to see Shima, uh kind of have his veteran years in dragon gate i mean he's going to chase the bag like he is the jeff jarrett of japan he's always going to find the money like when gleet dries up he'll find another place t hawk t hawk's a giant mystery linda is the person like out of that group and he was the person that we came into millennials he provided a certain edge there because like he is a cheeky person he was a person that uh we talked about like the crowd connection earlier the uh the night that uh katoka and olindaman joined millennials uh shima was running down t hawk as he was one to do and then and then yuga hayashi as he was known at the time hopped into the ring and basically trash talked shima on the microphone enough that like shima like looked to the crowd and went like whoa okay and like he be- and he was like a very charismatic uh uh mic worker which is something that's so important in the company and ever since then i mean he became elvin the men uh and it just kind of like took off from there. He was the boy prince of wrestling. He had the best cape out of everyone in over generation. Then he decided to be obsessed with ropes and face paint. And now, <laughs> now I, I don't even know how to describe his current haircut. El Lindemann is a wild person. Yeah, he's got like Lego hair now in a way. You know, it's like a like a slicked back pompadour. It's very peculiar. It, it fits him though. It fits him though. Uh, also, uh, a, a fun tidbit: uh, if you're someone that you you know you come across strong hearts in your travels and you want to make a friend, offer to play Yu-Gi-Oh with El Lindemann. You'll make his day. <laughs> Big uh, Yu-Gi-Oh fan is Lindemann. Allegedly, a huge Yu-Gi-Oh fan. Times in the states, he was looking at where he could get uh, English LU, uh, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh cards because he was like, "I want to have some. I love Yu-Gi-Oh. I want to get English cards." So. Big, big fan of this. And of course, like the funny thing about Lindemann is his name and what he was named after, of course. And that kind of plays into his theme song in a way. What was he named after? So there is a there is a seminal Japanese punk band called the Blue Hearts who had a song called Linda Linda. That was that they released the song like 15 years before uh, L. Lindemann was born. But this is Dragon Gate. They, they will name you after things just because. And so it was like this song. It was like Linda 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 and i mean there is a little bit of like reference to that here but he was called linda men and it's like because they had to make it sound and fit the theme of millennials they they tossed on the l at the beginning of it <laughs> um and like you said earlier the theme is a great contrast too with the other millennial guys because it's like eta overdrive the mirage the future digitalize the nova era t-hawk aurora the northern lights tear down the wall katoka I'm going to live my dreams. UT, this is my dream. 
And then there's Lindemann. L-I-N-D-A. Like, it's a pretty big contrast in tone. I mean, so is Maria's theme, but this one is too, Mike. That's for sure. Yeah, but like Maria being exotico that fits in with like the Mexico Lucha Libre vibe. El Lindemann, like like he comes out here. He's a former judoka, and he's like, yeah. I'm now El Lindemann. Here's my cheery theme. I'm the boy prince now. It just was like such like a great difference in this unit. And really like, provided a lot of life to uh millennials in its last few last few months before it disbanded but also like a unit that like went through the ringer even before him and katoka joined yeah yeah i mean it's weird like it's like with t-hawk you know this guy should be in a much bigger place than where he is right now because he's really good and really charismatic and i'm just i'm convinced mike he could get over anywhere yeah, and I mean, there's something special about seeing someone who's five foot three be able to do like a better judo throw than you see in the UFC, better judo throw than Ronda Rousey's ever done. He is just he he's just nails in the ring. He he is incredibly charismatic. He he's cute as a button. Like this guy could be like a heartthrob star if anyone ever just gave him the ball and let him run with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got that like Owen Hart quality to him, where it's like he just he gets how to be a fun character in wrestling. But he's also really good in the ring, too. Like, he has that balance. And I just think about him, like, being on Dynamite, feuding with, I don't know, MJF, and getting under his skin, and how much fun that could be. And I just, I shake my head, Mike. It's a damn shame it could have been. I, I mean, we're missing out on Short King, rep, uh, recognizing Short King with him and John Silver on being the elite. Like, just imagine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just imagine, like, what they did with Maki Ito with being the elite when she was only there briefly. Imagine if now they have this young rap scallion running about, running into their clubhouse and, you know, demanding, you know, just you're going to play Yu-Gi-Oh with me now, or I'm going to start throwing papers at you. Maybe he becomes the next leader of the dark order after a negative one has to go back to school. Well, they are the same size, so it's a pretty easy switch there, I think. So (laughs) just imagine like somehow negative one gets involved and, you know, rips off the mask and we get to see the blonde pompadour underneath it. And then suddenly everyone could hear a really loud squeal from South Carolina as I am just beside myself in glee. Yes. And your new dog, Pudge, just looks at you like, what the hell is this guy doing? What's wrong with him? <laughs> you know, he usually sleeps through dynamite, though. Uh, the horn honking that happened last night as we're recording, like when the when the inner circle had like the. The, the truck out there did not care for it whatsoever was sleeping all through it completely zoned out but i imagine if he saw a lindeman on screen he would be happy <laughs> one can hope one can hope all right well those were the themes of the millennials a group that had its time to shine and then went poof and that's the nature of these units mike they don't stay around forever uh same with the jimmies same with mad blanky same with every other group in dragon gate There's always that flux, and the trick is to be a good enough unit to be remembered fondly. And given that this was the group that gave guys like Ata and T-Hawk their first serious pushes, and had talent like Flamita and Lindemann in there too, and put emphasis on those younger guys to various degrees of success, I'd say the legacy of the Millennials is maybe not perfect, but it's more positive than negative, Mike. At least to me, anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, if, if I'm going to be comparing it to someone, like, other units that are not thought of very positively, like, it's not a 
it, it, it's not deep drunkers, you know, like usually that's the whole like measuring stick is, is this unit better than deep drunkers? Deep drunkers was this short lived heel unit that sadly my main man, Kenitra Rai was leading. And the idea is that they were just drunk rap scallions. They were a very bad unit, but millennials has its place in dragon system history. It's something that even, you know, six years after the fact, I look back at it, at them fondly like it's it's probably one of the most concerted i would say one of the more concerted efforts towards uh like a theme and just everything kind of meshing that you don't see as often in dragon gate but you had all these wrestlers like even rocky lobo like all eight of them they all fit together and it's something that uh, throughout the remainder of all their careers uh i think like one of the major touch points or each and every single one of them is going to be their times and time in millennials right right All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. And Mike, thank you so much again for being here. You are just always a gem on these episodes, and this was no different. So thank you. Andrew, it is a blast doing these with you. It is something that, like, I will come on and talk about the Deep Drunkers theme if you wanted me to do so. But (laughs) I don't know if that's going to do very well for your listener count if you just have me talking about Kanichiro Rai for an hour 15. Well, that was already covered on a past episode, so that's off the table, unfortunately. Um, But rest assured, I do have you penciled in for Masters of Dragon Gate Volume 3 for later in the year. So we'll be talking Shun Skywalker, we'll be talking Keisuke Okuda, we'll be talking our main man, Konomama Ichikawa, among a host of others. So that's going to be fun too, for sure. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Yeah, so as Andrew said at the top, I co-host two shows on the Open the Voice Gate podcast. Uh, open the Voice Gate, open uh, or the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Uh, I am one of the co-hosts of Open the Voice Gate with Case Low. We are a weekly podcast devoted to the Dragon System. Uh, we have been called the best source for English uh, Dragon Gate content, not from ourselves. But we just take that banner and we're going to run that to the ground. And then as well, I am a co-host of Everything Elite with Aaron Bentley and Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. We do a weekly show about all elite wrestling, and we have a Patreon you can check out as well at patreon.com backslash everything elite. And thank you again, Andrew. This was an absolute blast. Oh, you're welcome. It's always so much fun, that's for sure. Yeah. And Music of the Mat is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network as well. You can find all the great podcasts on there at voicesofwrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. If you want to discuss this episode or other topics, you can do so at the VOW Discord. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that. Just go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Donate and click the big Donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. Um, or open the voice gate, or everything elite, you know, send some Mike's way, right, Mike? Mike's just a growing boy. He needs treats. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Mike, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Yep, thanks, Andrew. All right, for Mike Spears, I'm Andrew Rich. And I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.